This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige and engineering first. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello, welcome back to the World's Best Construction Podcast. I am Fred Mills, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Luke and Liam. It's been a big week, guys. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad at all. Um, I've had a nice little weekend. I discovered two leaks in my new place, and uh, I was like, oh, look, let me get some roofer guys over. And they were like, yeah, it's going to cost you like loads of money, like, to, like 18 grand or something ridiculous. And I was like, why don't we just build on the roof? So I have a friend who's an architect. I had a call with him yesterday and he's like, oh, Luke, so I'm, 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 I've added you on LinkedIn. So uh, you're doing stuff with the B1M, yeah? And I'm like, yeah, you know the B1M? He's like, yeah, yeah, good old Fred. He's like, I love a bit of the, I love a bit of the BIM. <laughs> That's what he says. <laughs> the BIM. Oh, loves it so much. He listens to the end of every video where I clearly say the B1M. <laughs> You knew it's the B1M, but it, I think people get a kick out of calling it BIM. I think they almost know that it's going to get on your nerves, Fred, even though they don't know you. And when you said uh, not- you discovered two leaks in your house, like what you found like a couple of vegetables somewhere. Yeah, like, oh. I didn't really mean water leaks. Mm. Oh, <laughs> oh, very good. Dad joke, dad joke. Very good, Fred. Very good, mate. Well done. Other than that, it's been a good weekend, though, mate, um, and finished off with a colonoscopy. How about you? Were you all right? You good? That's a true story. <laughs> true story, because it's Crohn's and Clutch Awareness Week. So there you go. Good for you, mate. Good for you raising awareness. I can't top that. Um... <laughs> I have Crohn's, by the way. I'm not just like making fun of people with stomach issues. So there you go. Yeah, Fred, tell us about your week, though. Did you have, did you have a colon talk? <laughs> I still can't get my straight face. Oh dear! No, no, I didn't, mate. No, I had. Uh, I've had an exciting week. I've had uh, a couple of inaugurations. I had my well, inaugurations. I had my uh, official welcome to the IEC as an honorary fellow, which was good. And then I had my graduation from the University College of Estates Management as an honorary master's recipient on Saturday, which was very cool. Uh, and then AI art has made me into a, a better version of myself as well this week. So <laughs> it's all go, all go, mate. Is it is that the stuff? Is that the Instagram post you've done, Fred? It's amazing. I have to say, it's this app where you upload like twenty or thirty <laughs> pictures of yourself, right? And then it just it goes it. away and makes these original artworks. And obviously, it's all <laughs> over the internet. Everyone's doing it, but I've never seen it's, two that look the same. They look complete. It is a it's an amazing thing. I know there's a bit I, of controversy around it, but it does. It? It, it's it's pretty. Yeah, there's controversy. People are like it's stealing artists work and stuff and all this, this stuff but which uh, which you know is a so is a legitimate you, argument. what you take a selfie and you send it in no you, you go through yeah. your phone and select like i think 10 to 20 selfies uh, and it, it like uh, tells you what types of picture you should and shouldn't do oh, and then it kind of adapts what, it and makes it into what, so what made you <laughs> think it'd be a good idea to send a few topless ones through mate <laughs> <laughs> I'm into that not getting flagged. I don't have, I don't have flagged. any. <laughs> the, one, the last one you've got no shirt on, mate. So you've got those like yeah, Captain that, America bands in the chest. It did that based on. <laughs> it did that based on just my frame of me in a t-shirt. It's it's guessed what my body looks like. It's it's oh, and it's, it? it's added. It's given me this hair. That. I've never had such long flowing hair like that. It looks looks great. Might grow out now. Yeah. It's very grey in one of them. Looks quite good, mate. It suits you. Thank you. Coming from a bald man, I appreciate that. 
It looks like you could be like on old Soviet artwork and that, like that one, like you're going to space. <laughs> oh, man, that's the, the mystery man photo. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, you're going to space in that one. Do you not think, uh, that, I'm, I'm sorry to come at you like this, do you not think your right eye is smaller than your left one? Right, it is. Did you pick it you know, it, it always has been because I had an accident when I was younger. Uh, so it's always been slightly smaller. But it's. Are it's, you serious? This, this AI thing, the, the consistent thing it pulled out in all these pictures was the enormous bags under my eyes and the kind of general knackered look. <laughs> it's the thing you see. <laughs> that, and, that and a very stern, angry face you just see kind of strewn throughout it. So yeah, I want to see yeah. yours, Liam. I want yours up there. Mate, I'm, I'm not yeah. about sending topless um, photos to some random app. <laughs> But um, if I ever change my mind, mate, I'll give it a go. Yeah, I've heard otherwise. How are you, Liam? How's, how's your week? Any, any colonoscopies or topless AI photos for you? No, mate. I've no. I've had a completely opposite week to you guys. I've had a very chilled one. To be honest, went around Sydney on Saturday. Went to an art fair. Checked out Barangaroo. Checked out all the new construction going down mm. there. The Crown Tower, residential towers going up. It's good. That's pretty good, doesn't it? Down there, it looks oh, pretty good. Like all the yeah, development, mate. Yeah, it's really mm. nice. It's really nice. Heaps of restaurants. Really good vibe down there as well. Lots of people. Mm. Yeah, it's a good way to spend your um your Saturday afternoon, especially when it's sunny. You know, is that now the tallest building in Sydney, the Crown Tower? Is it? Does that like stand out on the skyline at all? Or I think it is. I think yeah. it is. Yeah, friend. Yeah, I think I believe it is the tallest skyscraper in Sydney now. Yes. Yeah, mm. it's it's not like visually. I'm not a big fan of it. It just looks mm. like. Yeah, I'm not even. Yeah, doesn't look too good. <laughs> it's darker than I thought it'd be. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like it, the the cladding, the finish on it looks looks really dark. Like in your in- photos. Oh, okay. Is that a picture yeah, at night? Inside it is uh, it's a uh, um, high rollers casino. So you have to be a high roller to go there. So I don't know if that's part of it, making it you know quite oh. mysterious and things like that. Like you you can't just as a normal punter roll up there and. Have a game of poker oh, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love how comfortable love we've it. become with this podcast now that we're talking about bloody colonoscopies and topless photos at the start of it. Mate, oh. I woke up. I woke up this morning at like uh, whenever, like seven a.m. and I jumped on Instagram and straight away, bang, get hit hit with your little anime pictures <laughs> on Instagram. Friend, I was like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> <laughs> people love the mate it's blown up it's blown up i know, um, now, I know talking about talking about crown sydney uh, that building was enabled by bluebeam software partly enabled by bluebeam software who are our sponsor for today's video guys nice link this episode is sponsored by bluebeam and goodness me have we got some good stuff coming up for you we have got the upgrade of new york's incredibly critical and important brooklyn queens expressway texas's 31 billion dollar hurricane stopping seawall genuinely called the Ike Dyke, London's Liverpool Street upgrade, Ukraine's 2030 bid, and the whole thing is peppered with some of your comments from the week. Let's go. First up this week, we have got New York's upgrade of the Brooklyn Queens Expressway beautifully shortened to the bqe now the bqe in nyc is a pretty major road but if you don't live in nyc in new york you probably never heard of it the reason we're covering this is because this is a very important major artery major artery artery way artery there you go new word into the city part of it runs along the east river in brooklyn and has this very famous triple cantilever carved into the land if you haven't heard of the brooklyn queens expressway the bqe I guarantee you've probably seen this road in a movie somewhere. You've probably seen it without realising what it is. And if you look at the video, you'll recognise it and you will have seen it before in New York. So the road starts up at the Grand Central Parkway in Queens and runs for 19 kilometres right round down to Red Hot, sorry, Red Hook in Brooklyn, kind of down on the south, south tip of Brooklyn. More than 130,000 vehicles use this route every single day. As I said, it's a critical route for commuters and freight into Brooklyn and Manhattan. If it shuts or if it were to break down or people couldn't use it for some reason, all those 130,000 vehicles would have to be diverted through residential streets, causing absolute chaos in one of the world's biggest and most important cities. So this is a pretty major road and it's in a state of disrepair and needs an upgrade. You guys, uh, You guys familiar with the BQE? 
Yeah, I think I am. I think I am, only because um, I've been to New York, though. And I think I recognised it after after I saw the video. I was like, yeah, I think I recognise little bits and bobs there. But um, I know that, I mean, a lot of what you, you've mentioned in the video makes a lot of sense. Because when you land at JFK, it feels like when you're getting a bus or a taxi, whatever, to Manhattan, it feels like you have to go through a lot of side streets because it gets so clogged up. There's loads of traffic. Um, and it seems to be a it, that that seems to be a huge problem in New York. It's a huge problem in a lot of places. But um, I mean, mate, this is like a bit worrying, isn't it? I can't lie. I felt like a bit anxious. Like by the end of the video, I was like, how, like, how do you fix something like this? Like, where, where do you even start? Like, do you just stop people using it or do it bit by bit? Do it lane by lane? It's um. Yeah, it, it's it's worrying, and it goes to show. Yeah, this could happen in a lot of places, like London, just on our doorstep in Sydney. Um, London's got the M twenty five though. Yeah, well, I didn't want to flex too much, Liam. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, problem though, solved. Like the, ge- the geography of uh, London probably helps a lot. The geography of New York is like really complicated, isn't it? And from, I don't know, from a certain point of view, it's like. it's aged a little bit you know you can tell it's it's like ah hang on that was maybe a good design 50 60 70 years ago whatever um now i i'm not i'm not so sure mate not so sure i mean longer ago than that so this this kind of goes this is a good example of the us's aging infrastructure and the scale of the task that's facing that country now to upgrade its infrastructure and, and kind of keep the show on the road in many ways um, designed by a guy called Robert Moses, uh, who did a lot of New York design in the early 1900s. So he designed and planned this, and then construction on it started in 1937. Whole route was completed in 1964, which is you know it's a pretty long project uh, at a cost of 137 wow. million dollars. And then it's literally since 1964, it's been patch repaired every now and then. It's 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 really is an old piece of infrastructure now. So you know much of it is beginning to disintegrate. There's, like you say, Luke, uh, you talk about closing part of it and making you feel anxious. They've already closed one lane to trucks because the weight of trucks on some of the cantilever bits is is too extreme and could could cause the thing to collapse. So, you know, it's, it's some pretty, pretty scary stuff. Um, the bit that's in most need of repair is this 2.4-kilometer section called BQE Central, which is the bit where the triple cantilever is, the bit kind of opposite lower manhattan across the across the east mm. river there um yeah it's not not in good shape largely because the steel inside the concrete is corroding due to excessive road salt water infiltration and the fact the steelwork they used in the 1950s didn't have any protective coatings on it so yeah would you uh would you get a taxi along this road liam i probably would mate yeah <laughs> <laughs> i probably would it is quite interesting um, in the video. It just seems like, obviously, there's, they never make a decision on it, so they just keep doing repairs every year, right? They're just like, all right, let's fix this part, let's fix this part. So it doesn't really look like there's an end in sight from what I can see. Mm. I was going to say, this is, like, this is just classic New York. Like Everything just takes such a long time and costs such a lot of money, even though it's blindingly obvious what, what needs to be done and what needs to happen. Like. There, there was a report on this in 2016. 2016, a report said that this road is in disrepair and if nothing happens, it's going to have to be closed to all trucks by 2026. And literally since then, they've just been putting ideas forward. There's been ideas for a temporary highway, closing the road entirely, building a new tunnel, re-waterproofing it, demolishing the whole thing and starting again. But they just can't come up with a plan that everyone's happy with and can agree on. And all we've got so far is that they've closed one lane to trucks to kind of keep the thing limping along it's um yeah not, not a wouldn't, great advert for the world's superpower wouldn't just creating a tunnel solve it yes but building tunnels are quite expensive and time consuming and that would cost even more money in new york we've done stuff before about upgrading tunnels i mean the the east side mm-hmm. access project took took i think 19 years for them to do oh my days oh wow sent the second avenue is it second avenue subway Again, is an enormous mm. project. It's taken decades to get off the ground. So, yes, in any other city, just building a tunnel would be good. But New York does seem to make a meal of things. Um, yeah. There's now a new plan on the table. So 
new, well, sort of new New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who came in at New Year 2022, uh, has proposed this accelerated plan, which is due to start in 2023. So that's just focused on the the cantilever bit. Plan is to make it cheaper and faster. Um, but you know, even with that, there's there's ongoing community meetings now for the next couple of years about what to do about the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. Then there's a design process. Then they're going to try and start construction works in 2026. And in the meantime, they're just doing these emergency works still to kind of keep it keep it going. So, like, we were fascinated by this project because it's this road that everyone's seen but doesn't really know what it's called that New York City relies on that's a key bit of infrastructure that they have just neglected. And now, even though they know it needs fixing, can't seem to find a way to fix. So... The power of infrastructure. I was just going to say it's quite funny. Last week's podcast is on a, a tunnel that was that's being built um, for Sweden by Germany and Denmark, and then you've got New York not being able to agree on this key bit of infrastructure. Yeah, get Denmark to build it. Get get Sweden yeah. to come over and negotiate on behalf of New York. And be like, you know what? We'll get Denmark to build this for you. Yeah. We'll play them. Yeah. Just the contrast of Europe compared to America. <laughs> Infrastructure, <laughs> pro- infrastructure projects it's it's pretty crazy when you compare the two yeah. it's noticeable isn't it it is noticeable and i i think historically speaking it's it's a shame that like the u.s spearheaded and like invented a lot of this infrastructure you know in the early part of the 20th century and 1937 this this began like in 1937 our own countries like didn't have anything near like a highway motorway that wasn't even imagined do you know what i mean and yet um with the us they 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 just created these like massive networks so particularly after the war right they they created like the interstate system and everyone followed suit everyone like kind of copied them i think the germans as well maybe um spearheaded a lot of like interconnected motorways and whatnot uh, in the 40s and 30s, but it's it's a shame that like, and I I, I think a lot of Americans um, share this sentiment that like it, it seems so difficult to get things that are publicly funded off the ground in the states and in New York. That, like you said, Fred, this is is so important. Like things that happen in New York can affect the rest of the world. And it goes to show that this road, this one road that at face value, you could look at it and go, oh, well, this is a bit like dry, isn't it? Like, <laughs> you know, it's just a road in, in New York. <laughs> it's really important. It's a really important part. And it is an important artery in the whole system, in the body that is New York. And um, Artaway, mate. It's an artaway. To- Coined that term earlier. Artaway, there we go. Yeah, cheers, mate. Well, it goes to show though, like if you're just letting it like just slowly crumble, like how much more money are you going to end up spending when it does when something actually goes wrong? I think this speaks to know. a bigger societal thing in America because so much of America's success and progress is built upon its infrastructure. You go back to the first transcontinental railroad they built from the east coast to the west coast that transformed travel across the country you go back to the interstate railway system you go back to the birth of the airports you go back to uh, the golden gate bridge you know these are enormous fundamental huge infrastructure projects that literally underpin and enabled america's success hoover dam another one that brought power and water to the the whole sort of southwest of the united states you know it's these are huge projects that enable America's success. I think I think the Biden administration sees that. They've obviously got this $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure plan. Obviously, money doesn't seem to go as far as it used to in the US right now, and they weren't able to get as big a plan as they wanted through. I think the original plan was like upwards of $3 trillion, even $4 trillion at one stage, but it was kind of got uh, you know negotiated down. But it speaks a lot to the issues in society that there's so much disagreement and backlash and arguments mm-hmm. over funding and mm-hmm. the whole original vision of what we're trying to do and what what it could enable and what it could mean for people's lives and wider societies has become lost in this bureaucratic mishmash of red tape and debate and it's yeah it's it's sad and I think yeah as I said sadly kind of representative of US culture a bit at the minute. Do you think there's too many chefs in the kitchen 
with this scenario, with this situation, like there's too many people involved, too many people affected, and too many people stopping the progress of a project like this. I, the metaphor is worse than that. They can't agree that there's a kitchen or who owns the kitchen or where the kitchen mm. is or how big it is or if the kitchen even exists or if the kitchen's fake news. It's just, oh. this. it's so, there's so much division and debate and 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 stuff slowing you know the environmental review process in america kills american projects they spend years going through environmental review you look at other major growing economies i know china's not very helpful comparisons it's a completely different kettle of fish in terms of its fundamental approach to government and society but a lot of other places around the world are just getting on with stuff denmark sweden that tunnel they're cracking on with it you know Mm. Anyway, rant over. Let us know what you thought about this, guys. Uh, do you use the BQE Express, the BQE Expressway? I've I've messed up. I'm not saying ATM. The BQE. Do you use it every day? Do you use it traveling to New York? Have you noticed it deteriorating? Have you seen it in a movie? Let us know. Get your comments coming in. What do you think about the state of US? What do you think about the state of US infrastructure? Some of the stuff happening around New York. Uh, we want to hear from you. Podcasts at the B1M.com. So today's episode is sponsored by Bluebeam. Bluebeam develops innovative technology solutions that set the standard for project efficiency and collaboration for design and construction professionals worldwide. Founded in 2002, Bluebeam creates desktop, mobile and cloud-based solutions for paperless workflows that improve communication and streamline processes across the entire project life cycle from design through review and construction to handover and beyond. Mm. Oh, (laughs) Groundbreaking news for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's Is that good. a reader? What, 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 else, uh, what else can we learn about from Bluebeam, Fred? Well, I'm glad you asked, Luke. The key to Bluebeam's success is a customer-focused approach to product developments. Bluebeam works with the industry to create solutions for the industry. More than 2.5 million design and construction professionals in over 160 countries trust Bluebeam's award-winning document and collaboration solutions to get more done in less time literally the goal of my life is to get more done in less time so yeah i can relate i can relate to this 2.5 million mm. bless them nearly as many as our youtube following oh still ahead of them yeah <laughs> little flex yeah gotta get it in there at any opportunity really founded in pasadena california which is a beautiful part of california filled with lovely art deco architecture Bluebeam now has additional offices throughout the US, Germany, UK, Sweden, and Australia, and is part of the Nemeshek Group. You can find out what Bluebeam can do for you and your business and your construction site and your sanity and your life by downloading a free, that is a free 30-day trial, guys, over at Bluebeam.com and experiencing the benefits for yourself. We've never encountered such a long trial uh, outside of you know law courts and stuff so very nice 30 day free trial for blue beam <laughs> check it out i i've said it before and say it again really like these guys I, the stuff about them designing this you know by the industry for the industry is incredibly true they really listen to the customer base the tool has been designed and adapted to work best for the industry that it's designed for and it's yeah it's fantastic we uh have worked with them over many years they're a great group of people and I would highly recommend checking out that 30-day free trial over at bluebeam.com. 30-day free trial, guys. Bluebeam.com. Mm. Have I missed anything, Luke and Liam? No, mate. No. I was going to say, Bluebeam was founded in 2002, right? And a movie came out that year called Austin Powers in Goldmember. <laughs> now, I've, I've always thought about Luke has always reminded me of someone. And it's just oh, come to my gosh. head. Honestly, mate, you remind me of Austin Powers. What? <laughs> Are you joking? No, you joking. The way you talk, I've always what? had it in the back of my head. I'm like, who does he remind me of? The way I talk. Yeah. Reminds you of Austin Bowers. What are you talking about? In what way? Like- oh, just, just your mannerisms, just <laughs> your accent, just <laughs> It's in a good way. He's a funny he's a funny guy. He's a funny character. Thanks, mate. I'll wear he's that a- with pride. Oh. Thanks. Thanks, Liam. I'll have to <laughs> I'll have to try and uh, try and think of who you remind me of. Well, I did. I, th- this is payback for the Lobot comment, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, when you're wearing a headphone, you look like a, a background character in the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Good Lobot. Google it, everyone.
<laughs> but yeah, go. That is one heck of a burn, Liam. That is one heck of a burn. I want. I want to see oh, your man. AI art now, Luke. I want to see if you like Austin Powers and the AI. <laughs> Should I wear glasses as well or something? <laughs> and I'll Wait, get added, an haircut. It added glasses to mine. It just it just threw them in. I, I didn't put up any pictures of me in glasses. It just added them in. Oh, oh I don't believe that, mate. I don't believe that for a second. Have you seen me wear glasses? Oh, I, I don't know. I just don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> There's well, some strange anyway. posing going on in those posts, mate. <laughs> mate, I, I have not sat in these poses before. My head has been put on other people. I'm not an astronaut. Yeah, okay. you probably haven't seen me in a NASA suit before. Goodness me. <laughs> Anyway, guys, find out what Bluebeam can do for you and your business. That free 30-day trial over at bluebeam.com. Go and check it out. We'd really appreciate it. Also this week, back on Tuesday, we brought out a video on tomorrow's build about Texas's $31 billion new hurricane-stopping seawall, which is very impressive. Big infrastructure project. Um, I kid you not, guys, it's called the Ike dike so it's, it's this it's this massive new coastal defense project in texas as i said it's named after a terrible hurricane called hurricane ike which hit in 2008 they are now building a dike to prevent flooding from another hurricane and it's become dubbed the ike dike which hey gets some headlines doesn't it definitely memorable um i'll stick in that'll stick in the mind <laughs> yeah now we shouldn't laugh because Hurricane Ike caused extensive damage, uh, flooding over 15 miles inland and 34 different counties were declared disaster areas when it hit. I think it was September 2008. So pretty, pretty terrible hurricane that hit Texas. The area principally impacted was Galveston, which is a city just south of Houston that sits on a very thin strip of land imaginatively called Galveston Island. And that is directly on the Gulf of Mexico. So this little well, not little town, but this small city was literally in the path of this hurricane and the floodwater storm surge that came with it. So huge devastation. Um, as I said, flooding 15 miles inland is uh, is pretty remarkable. And it was a, yeah, a terrible event. In the wake of that, again, note the timescales in US infrastructure from 2008. Now in 2022, they're still planning to build a uh, flood defense system called the Ike Dike. Plan is for a massive series of gates, barriers, and man-made beaches and dunes stretching across Galveston Island and the Bolivar Peninsula. So, if you, I know you guys want to be looking at a map right now, but if you imagine Houston, Texas, down south of that towards the coast, there's then like a sort of a long strip of land, kind of like West Palm Beach sort of thing in Florida, that sits out off the coast. They're basically going to build a load of gates, barriers, and dunes and walls and stuff in between those islands to create a barrier for the the sort of mainland Texas on the on the seafront there and to protect the civilization dwellings Galveston on the front bit there there's a storm surge barrier system made of several huge gates which are going to span this near 2 mile gap at the entrance to Galveston Bay there's 200 meter navigation gates which are going to be installed across three artificial islands they're very impressive they've got these channels in between them for huge ships to pass in and out of Galveston Bay um, and there's also, there's also this enormous set of vertical lift gates being put in. So boats can go under those gates when they're open, but they will drop down and create a, a sea wall effectively when uh, when they need to be deployed. Pretty impressive stuff, pretty big stuff. Um, where it gets less impressive and a bit more frustrating is when you get into the politics, timelines, and controversies around this project. So main gate system is expected to take around 18 years to build which is absolutely uh shocking basically that kind of time scale mm-hmm. there's already been this six-year multi-million dollar study to come up with a plan um interestingly that was carried out by the u.s army corps of engineers and the texas general land office which is run by george bush's nephew um who appears in the video and looks a little bit like george bush so yeah Funding not very clear, all up in the air. And I think the the probably most controversial thing is that the Houston-Galveston area is home to a lot of petrochemical facilities, including some of the largest oil petroleum refineries in the US. So there's a vested interest in those organizations funding the seawall to prevent flooding of their facilities. But you've got the kind of fossil fuel sector paying for a climate change barrier so that we can continue 
burning fossil fuels and perpetuating climate change potentially so yeah you come across an Ike Dyke before Liam I have mate I have I didn't know it was called that I the last one I came across was called the uh Offals just Dyke in uh Holland <laughs> called the what <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I can't pronounce it I can't pronounce it either. I, I learned it for that video. I think it's called the Oshflodike. Oshflodike? Yeah. Oshflodike? Yeah, spot on, spot on, mate. Spot on. Yeah. I learned it, and then the half the internet disagreed with me, as ever, on YouTube. Everyone's like, oh, you're pronouncing it wrong. So, yeah. Yeah. You Shout out to everyone in the Netherlands I but, offended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, mate, I, I came across it then. Um, I, find it, I find it really, really interesting that a lot of places around the world are building these you know we did the the video in um holland on this three years ago where they i think they, they got the same gates for for this project the idea from that as well and then we we ran a video last year on japan's building a 400 kilometer tsunami wall yeah um which mm. visually looks a bit bit crap in japan because it's covering up you know prime um, coastal locations, towns, views, things like that, which is obviously, uh, I suppose, the price you pay. I think the one in Texas looks a lot better, and I like it how they're actually making into like they're making like man-made beaches and sand dunes and things like that. So it's not going to be such a big eyesore, if that makes sense. But I, I just want to—I know, I know you, New York's building one as well, aren't they? There's talk of one in New York. It's not being built yet, but they're they're chatting about ah. it. There's one in Venice as well. We covered on tomorrow's build last year. These these sort of mm. sunken barriers that sit on the sea floor and then get inflated and come up and create a, a wall when the sea levels mm. rise. But I mean, again, that was over budget and very controversial when it was built. There's all sorts of corruption scandals around that. So yeah, it's um yeah a lot of cities doing it. A lot of cities looking at it. There's there's them. Um, China's sponge city thing as well, which is quite interesting. It's not not mm. necessarily full blown infrastructure, but planting of mangroves and trees and uh, sort of natural areas that can absorb water and slow down uh, storm surges and stuff. So yeah, yeah in- interesting what cities are doing. Mm. I read something on um, uh, the Texas University website about if that they're predicting a, a, a hurricane um, to the scale of. Uh, Hurricane Katrina, and they they're predicting a minimum of seventy billion dollars worth of damage allegedly if a hurricane like that happens down there. Wow! So if you when you're looking at eighteen years to build, you'd think you'd put a bit more urgency on it. That's a yeah. Good point. And this is, like I said earlier, this is after two thousand eight. Like Hurricane Ike was two thousand eight. Like they've yeah. known about the need to, and they had, there was another big hurricane at the start of the nineteen hundreds. Like the, the the need for this product is not kind of. Uh, not a new thing, but yeah, just getting it built seems to be a right a right battle. I think now that the again going back to the U.S. federal infrastructure bill, now that's passed, there is federal funding coming for this. There's also some state funding going in, largely helped by some very powerful companies in the state who want it built. Like I said, the uh, the oil companies that want it built, so it'll happen, but it'll happen at the uh, seemingly the U.S. infrastructure pace, which seems to be a bit slow. <laughs> Sorry if you're listening, USA, but. Uh, mm. Things just seem to drag. Well, it's. I was actually going to say, like, it's funny that we've we we just covered the the, the um, expressway in New York, and now we're in like Texas, and they're they're facing like similar problems. And it's like, yeah, like the action should have been taken a long time ago, and that's kind of like the moral of the story. And this isn't just like a uniquely American problem. Do you know what I mean? I want to like put that out there. That's not a US problem. We have those sort of problems in the UK in France, in lots of places. But there does seem to be more of uh, an urgency, maybe in different markets, European markets, um, Australia, especially Asia. That's probably because Asia is in like kind of their booming stage of their their long-term economy at the moment. Um, But still, like this, this this is a matter of life and death, like for so many people and for an economy and for oil for so many things you'd think maybe there is a bit more there should be a bit more urgency and yeah i think liam's like spot on there but and another thing i thought was like oh mate you know isn't it crazy like how we're still using the dutch techniques to do all of this like and and those techniques were invented like hundreds of years ago 
they've been mod- modernized, of course, but like, isn't it incredible how we're still using their methods and how ingenious a yeah. lot of the like? Have you seen that map of where like Holland or the Netherlands just gradually expanded? through yeah, like reclaimed yeah. land <laughs> it's unreal and we're talking like hundreds of years ago like they did that you know it's it's so impressive and even locally to me in south essex canvey island is an island that is below sea level a lot of the time of the year and there was a massive flood there in the 50s right but the 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 dutch came in and they were there before that anyway but the dutch like came in and created like a dike system. There's a seawall and everything. And even the roads, a lot of the roads in Canvey Island in South Essex all have Dutch names because loads of Dutch families settled there. Um, yeah, so shout out to the Dutch. <laughs> not not <laughs> the World Cup, but... They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it comes to the World Cup, screw you. But uh, thanks yeah. for the dikes, guys. <laughs> Much appreciated. <laughs> I guess they, they've yeah. sort of become a, a, a sort of centre of excellence in a way, haven't they? By, by being a, a low a low sea level nation that's not not a term but you know yeah. what i mean as a nation that generally sits yeah, yeah, quite yeah. a long way below sea level they've had to get good at this over a number of years and the rest of the world's kind of learned from them and i guess if it's not broke don't don't try and fix it but thames barrier yeah, well, be- another cracker they've become an authority on it you know and there's a difference between like becoming an authority on something and just kind of like you know doing something and not doing it particularly well and we're seeing we are seeing that with modern projects whether it's like dodgy cladding that goes on buildings right in our own country that that's been a thing for decades now we've put like really poor quality um cladding onto massive buildings and we're now at a massive risk of a lot of different things because of that and in Dubai, even, I think that's been a problem, right? Did you guys see there was like a skyscraper that caught on fire there mm. like a few weeks ago? I think that's happened. I swear that's happened a few times this year. I could be wrong, but like, yeah, it's just quality. Get it right first time. Get it right first time. And if that means going to the people that do it best, like in this instance, going and copying the Dutch methods or, or whatever, then then do that. Yeah, do it it's, it's, I think you're right, Luke. I think I've mentioned the petrochemical stuff earlier, and a, a large part of the motivation for this is the fact that it would damage significant power infrastructure, fossil fuel power power infrastructure across Texas. But there are also people, communities, schools, businesses, livelihoods that would be interrupted as well. And it these things suddenly become incredibly important when flooding happens, don't they? You need some of the stuff that's happened mm-hmm. in, in Pakistan this year. Um, Hurricane Katrina. I remember that vividly. I was, uh, you know, again very boldly reminded of that when I visited New Orleans recently. And you see the rebuilding there and the the new infrastructure that's been put in there. Um, you know, it's it takes sadly it takes disasters to focus the minds. I say that this disaster happened in two thousand and eight, and minds don't seem to be particularly focused. But anyway, Ike Dyke mm. seems to be steadily happening and on the way. Um, hopefully, they build it in time. I guess before the next. Uh, next storm arrives mm. and shout out to my mate ike because i do actually have a friend called ike or ikey <laughs> ikey dyke yeah <laughs> he, he might do maybe one day if he moves to canvey <laughs> island <laughs> but i never heard that name i never I'm heard that dyke. name before but he's his family his family are nigerian maybe maybe it's more common yeah he was a really nice guy i didn't didn't have a yeah. dyke but um he had, he had a ah. bike, actually. He had Ike's bike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, think had, I think he had Nike trainers as well. Ike, Nike. Oh. Ike's Nikes. Anyway, anyway. Uh, let us know what you think about this, guys. This huge $31 billion hurricane-stopping seawall in Texas. It's big. It's Texas. They've, they're going big with this, uh, including on the timescales. It's taking a long time to build. Let us know what you think. Send in your comments. Podcast at the B1M.com. Also in the news this week, there have been some plans revealed to overhaul a very big, important area of London. So Liverpool Street Station is going to be getting a pretty dramatic birthday, and it's going to have two new towers built in the airspace above it, very much like Charing Cross and London Bridge with the Shard. So this has, well, got a lot of interest uh, this week when we put it out there. There's been a lot of uh, 
feedback and debate from the audience, shall we say. Under the proposals put forward by Herzog and Demiron, there is plans for a new, much larger mezzanine level added, which is going to significantly increase the floor area and ease congestion. So they're basically putting in that kind of balcony level is going to be made into a whole-blown concourse across the whole length. There's these very nice, dramatic, white, sort of curving ceiling arches and stuff. 60% more ticket barriers, which is good for easing congestion. Um, And I guess revenue protection, they call it, don't they? Making sure they get enough money in. Uh, And then, as I said, these two towers being built above the Liverpool Street main sort of station area, main main concourse area, one of which is going to be offices, one of which is going to be a hotel and uh yeah this is this is a pretty major change i think i think this has been coming for a while it's been pretty inevitable for a while because you've got so much high rise around there you've got these sort of train tracks and low rise station that's screaming out for something built above it but uh tampering with and adjusting a very well known very heavily used london station will always get a bit of feedback from the old british public and we definitely have that on the podcast I mean, when was the last time there wasn't a whole load of construction going around Liverpool Street? I can't, I can't remember the day that you walk out of the station and you're not disrupted by scaffolding or roads blocked off and things like that. I think the whole area has completely changed, even in the last five years. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, it's on the doorstep. Well, it's in the city, the square mile. Mm. So, you know, the central financial district in London, there's all the wacky skyscrapers near there. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think it needs it. I think it needs uh, redevelopment. Um, do you know what? When when you look at it, those those towers that you talk about, Fred, like they're quite tall, aren't they? Yeah, when- we're calling them towers, not skyscrapers, because they're not that tall. Yeah. but they are pretty right. decently sized. Yeah, I think you're going back to the Liam's point about always stuff being built. You're right. There's been the Crossrail upgrade. There's been the mm. um, Broadgate, cir- the, sorry, the Broadgate Circle redevelopment and construction around there. There's been huge new offices built uh, around there. So yeah, there's this always the stuff happening across the road as well, where the pub, the Water Poet, used to be. It's literally just down the road. They've they've basically ripped down the whole block, redeveloping it into oh, yeah. residential apartments. Oh, yeah, gutted yeah. about that. That was one of my favourite pubs in London. It's perfect. To watch the book away. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, I do know. Yeah, it's on weird. It's Sorry. not far from like Shoreditch, is mm. it? And you can like whenever I go to Shoreditch, I always like just go to Liverpool Street and then walk. Uh, I always yeah. find that like a lot easier. Um, and th- that is kind of redevelopment central, isn't yeah. it? Like so much is going on there, and yeah, there's. Well, Shoreditch is going to completely change in the next few years. Box Park's yeah. turning into a big residential complex. It won't be Shoreditch as you know it in right. three to five years, I don't think. And that's the thing that's happening in a lot of places, but like mm. yeah. here, you, I, I'm not sure if you guys can see, but in 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 the um, render. Which I'm a little bit dubious about, by the way, but I'll 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 get to that in a second. But like I, I appreciate that they're kind of building over these red brick buildings, right? They're kind of putting these towers on stilts so it doesn't disturb these buildings that are below it. And then they're building a building above these older buildings. That looks really, really cool. Um But the cladding it, in the render, and this is my this is my beef with a lot of renders, but the <laughs> It looks like these buildings look like ghost buildings. They look like they're slightly see-through. They're they're white. They're glowing. And oh, then that when is ca- uh, sorry, Luke. I should stop you right there, mate. That that is Gone. that is the thing about this stage of development. So it's not that those buildings are going to look like that. It's that they've drawn a semi-transparent box to sort of say this is where development could happen, but we don't know. I see what it. So this this is oh. the massing. This is the zone. But we're going to let a private developer come in and say. Design what you want to design, but within these parameters. So it's not that they've uh, built a see-through skyscraper. People were saying this yeah. with uh, Houston as well, because when the Houston renders come out, they were like, "Oh, there's this, there's a see-through skyscraper above," and everyone's like, "No, it's the, um, it's a development drawing." <laughs> Do you know what? I wasn't, I wasn't actually, I wasn't actually aware of that, mate. 
I've learned yeah. something. There we go. World's best construction podcast. <laughs> I was explaining that in the yeah. <laughs> I was explaining that in the uh, comments on Instagram as well because people were asking that as well. So it's it's a, a wide uh, a widespread okay. bit of uh, bit of confusion. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Bit of architecture knowledge alongside your colonoscopy and your AI. <laughs> I think I'm having the best few days ever, mate. Yeah. Liam's called you Austin Powers. I mean, just I know what's going <laughs> on. <laughs> oh. Got a laugh. Yeah, I think it's nice that they're retaining those red brick, but I think there was a bit of concern. Again, lots of feedback on this. There's been a bit of concern that the red brick buildings would have been sort of damaged, but they they are Grade Two listed, as I understand, and they are being retained and incorporated into the new development. And actually, if you look at some of the renders, they've done that in a quite quite a nice way. Um. This is a big station, a very heavily used station. I think it's good that it's being invested in. Again, it's going to mean more disruption for us, having just had the Elizabeth line built and finished, and with the Broadgate works going on, it's going to mean more disruption. But I guess that's London, isn't it? There's always something happening, always new development, always evolution. So, yeah, fun times. Uh, Also, we're now going over to Ukraine for a very interesting proposal that's been put forward. So the Ukrainian government are pitching for Expo 2030 to be held in Odessa. This is obviously a very bold move, given the amount of stuff they've got going on there at the minute, but it really underlines the forward-looking plans they're putting forward, the kind of forward-looking attitude they have, uh, and their plans that are already laying down to rebuild the country and look towards the country's future beyond some of the terrible stuff that's happening with Russia's illegal invasion of Ukraine at the moment. So last week, Zaha Hadid Architects unveiled its proposals for this Odessa Expo 2030 bid. Uh, All of that was presented to the 171st General Assembly of the Bureau International des Expositions, abbreviated to the BIE, in Paris, uh, which is basically the big group of people that sit down and decide where expos are going to be held. They're pitching for 2030 now, if this came off, the Expo would be the first ever hosted in Eastern Europe and would showcase the UN's 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Mindful of the challenges with past Expo events where the sites have been kind of built and then left and become ghost towns, the plan with this one is that all facilities can be reused and adapted so that nothing is wasted. Now, uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine put out a statement with this that I think is important to read because it helps you understand why they're doing this, why it's come about, and where the country's headed. He said, In a city that has always been multinational and multicultural, a city of diversity with ancient connections throughout the world, when you visit Ukraine and Arudessa in 2030, you will feel the power and culture of not just one country and one city, you will feel the potential of all humanity. And that kind of for me, underlines why they're doing this, why they're pitching it, why they're bidding for it, and the very powerful, clear demonstration that this guy is making in the future of Ukraine uh, in the years ahead. So a project laced with uh, interest and potential and political symbolism. I personally love it. You've got Zahar Deed in here as well. What do you guys make of it? I think it looks great, mate. The designs, the renders look, look beautiful. Very elegant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am a bit confused, obviously, with everything that's happening over there. Um, but yeah, obviously, if it, if it comes through and they pull it off, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I'm I'm going to echo what what Liam just said. Obviously, it's um, it's a sensitive matter at the moment, and I think this gives something to Ukraine to focus on that isn't war. I think that's the that's maybe the point. Um yeah man, it's 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 beautiful. They 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 really really went in like uh, they put a lot of effort in to to the designs here. It's fantastic. Really fantastic. Really impressed mate. Really impressed. Um Some nice uh, nice comments this as well as people saying this is a great way yeah. to boost Ukraine's economy post war. It's great to see projects like this. Fantastic to see a forward-looking project like this. Um, can't wait to see Ukraine build this into visit in 2030. Some yeah, some really nice stuff coming forward. Some real uh, obviously support for Ukraine, which is nice to see. Yeah, definitely, mate. Any other major comments from the week you guys want to talk about, or any big news from the week? Not really, mate. I, I just want to do a shout out to my uh, my buddy Nick. He's been um, he's been binging our podcast episodes. Uh, for the last week, I've been getting daily updates of him critiquing 
me on the show, which I absolutely love. <laughs> I just wanted to do a big What's shout he said? Out. What's he said? Uh, I don't know. He's picking up my <laughs> oh, I don't know. Mate. I don't know what he said. I don't know. <laughs> he's, just, he's, just, he's just teasing me, um, which is good. It's good. I like that. Um, he's also been um, barracking for me in the YouTube comments. I don't know if you saw. I think he goes by the name as Falcon. He, on YouTube, he's got a scarf or a towel wrapped around his head. I can't really tell. But he said, um, Liam Marsh needs more screen time and B1M videos. You curl them, mate. <laughs> so thanks, Nick. <laughs> How did that happen? So he listens to the show, obviously, and then he's like, oh, I like the sound of Liam. Let's get him on. Let's get him on a, on a vid. Yeah, I, I don't know, mate. He's always, uh, I think he's always watched the B1M videos for for a couple of years now. And then I was chatting to him last week. I was like, Oh mate, we listen to um podcasts. We 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 get podcasts too, and he's like, "What? Okay," and jump straight on there. He he listens to so many podcasts. He's in the top five percent of podcast listeners in Australia. Which is oh nuts. wow, <laughs> yeah, it's nuts! He sent me a screenshot what a lad. on Spotify. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <What a> lad. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for listening. I can't say I agree with uh, all your feedback and advice on the direction of the B1M, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll put a pin in that one and uh, talk it up as a good idea. We might come back to. Thanks for listening, mate. That's uh, that's much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. Um, one of my funniest comments from the week was someone commenting on my uh, my going back to the AI AI art. Someone said, I need a cigarette after seeing these. <laughs> <laughs> We start with the AI art of Fred Mills. We finish with the AI art of Fred Mills. Yeah, is that how, is that how we're playing it? That's yeah. how I play it. I want to see your. I want to see your Austin Powers art, Luke. Austin and I want to see Powers Luke as Doctor Liam as Doctor Evil. Yeah. <laughs> Deep down, that's why there's connection. Who are you then, Fred, in that scenario in the Austin Powers world? Who are clearly, you, mate? Clearly, the Beyonce of the situation here. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, okay. The superstar <laughs> out front. <laughs> Quality. Oh, dear. What a week. What a week. Right, guys, let us know what you thought about this episode. We talked about some fantastic stuff, um, not just AI arts, in case we haven't spoke about it enough to you, but uh, the Brooklyn Queens Expressway, which you now know is the BQE. The Ike Dyke down in Texas, London's Liverpool Street upgrade, Ukraine's 2030 Expo bid. We've covered a lot in this episode. We talked about lots of things. Even had a colonoscopy thrown in at one point. Um, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up, Luke. Whole Cheers, thing's mate. been sponsored by Bluebeam. Don't forget to go over to bluebeam.com and get that 30-day free trial. We'd really appreciate it. Start it now. You have it for Christmas. You get a 30-day free trial for Christmas. What more could you mm. want? Or um, it'd be a great, great Christmas present. Give it to your friends. Give it to your colleagues. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so that's that. That's one heck of a gift. Here's here's mm. some improved project collaboration and a paperless workflow for Christmas. I'd like that for Christmas. I think that's a oh, great mate, gift. I'll, I'll sort you out. There's a free trial going. I'll send it your way. <laughs> Not going to spend anything. Just going to get me a free trial. <laughs> <laughs> your birthday. Your birthday's on uh, Jan too. That's that's what you're getting, mate. Great. There you go. So there you go, everyone. In case you uh, are, have left your Christmas shopping a little, a little bit late, free trial of Bluebeam over at bluebeam.com. Thirty day free trial. Go and check it out. Uh, as always, you all know what you thought about this. Get your comments coming in, podcast at the B1M.com, and we will see you for an increasingly festive episode next week. <laughs> <laughs>